Hi, my name is Margaret, and you have ventured your way into the Beautiful Collision podcast. I believe when the bad, messy, hard parts of your life collide with the good, amazing, great parts of your life, they make you into the beautiful person that you are. On this podcast, you are going to hear from people from all walks of life, and my hope is that you resonate with some and embrace your own story. Jack and I, we met in college. So we have known each other for a super, super long time. And um, I'm trying to remember how we initially met, like the first instance. Uh, do you remember? I I know I came to Bible study sophomore year. And I think it must have just been like a normal Bible study night. And I just remember you and another good friend of ours, Kira, <laughs> being like complete fools, but in the best way, just like <laughs> laughing and being crazy. And I was like, I need to be their friends. We would get along so well. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and okay. then we got to be in discipleship group together and like be besties. And it was. And our awesome. lives changed for the better. Yes. So we yeah, we did meet sophomore year. And Jacqueline and I, I feel like we have such like so many college memories that are just wonderful. And I feel like if we could tell you all of them, um, it would just it would be a lot. But my favorite memory, which I was like, I'm gonna have to share this story. Well, you're gonna have to share it and then I'm gonna comment on it. Was um Alpine our <laughs> Your junior, your senior year, my junior year. Because, okay, y'all, Jacqueline's very smart, so she graduated early. She finished college early. She's, like, very successful in life. <laughs> and um, so, and a little bit of backstory, Jacqueline has been, well, married her, like, middle school sweetheart, which I feel like doesn't happen in real life. It's pretty crazy. Would you let, your, <laughs> would you let your kids marry their middle school sweetheart? <laughs> I know, I'm like, I don't know, looking back, if I would allow my children to do that. <laughs> that's so funny it worked out for me it did okay so the best part of this story is Jacqueline you tell it from your so we were in this place called Alpine on our campus we went to University of North Carolina together and it's like a bagel shop and Jacqueline like sat me down with another friend of ours um well we weren't really as close with her, but she was there. But anyways. She was somehow there, yeah. <laughs> and Jacqueline, what did you tell me? So I think this was like we were going into summer break. Yes. After, I must have still been a junior because we got engaged in between like the year I graduated. Right. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. So it must have been right before. But anyway, we, <laughs> we were going into summer break and I just dropped a bomb on you and Carrie was her name. I was like, hey, guys, so I was ni- 19, I think. I was like, what do you think about me and Matt, like, getting engaged this summer? <laughs> okay. So, so let me tell you what was going through my head, people. So I'm also, me and Jacqueline are also young for our, like, grade or age, uh-huh. or however you want to say it. So, like, when everyone, like, we were, like, a year behind. So I think I was 19 at the time as well. Um, and I think most yeah. of our friends were like turning 20, but still. And so I, at this point, had ne- I didn't have any friends that were married. Like a lot of our friends weren't even dating and like or in relationships. And Jacqueline, like being one of my closest friends so at this time, we've been like just together for like the last year. And she goes, hey, I'm thinking about getting married. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm just trying to 
trying to study for my finals. Why are you talking about getting married? And we love, I love Matt. Love Matt. I'm a, such a champion for Matt and Jacqueline. But I was just so confused. And so in all my wisdom at 19, I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> Hard no. I got like flat out denied by you and Carrie. You guys were like, you, you really should not do, like, you were point like, like, do not do this. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I came back that fall with a ring on my <laughs> Yeah, I really thought she was listening. I mean, she was like, yeah. And I was just like, I don't think it's, you know, I mean, I think we're young. I don't even remember what I said, but I was just like, no. We still have a whole year to hang out. And then I get a text in July and Jacqueline's like, or, so, like I'm engaged. And I was like, okay. That's like something about me too, where I like, me and Margaret are both similar in this way, like people pleasers. And so even when like people are telling me something and I like know for sure I'm not going to do what they say, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, you're so right. Yes, I will take that advice. <laughs> but I already know I'm like, no. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we are so similar in that way. And me and Jacqueline are super extroverted too. So like, we're just like, yeah, whatever you say, like, that sounds good. Like, I'll take that into consideration, knowing full well that we're not going to take it into consideration. But it was truly like, yes, it was truly the best. And then that whole next year, so I was in Jacqueline's wedding. I'm like a 20 year old trying to plan like bachelorette parties and stuff for Jacqueline with all our other 20 year old friends and don't know what we're doing. So let me tell you guys where we took Jacqueline on her bachelorette weekend. We, where every bachelorette would want to go. We took her to Chili's. Such a fine family establishment for a bachelorette. We did a scavenger hunt and went to Chili's. But this was back in 2000, like what, 12, 11? 11, yeah. I feel I like, th- yeah, don't you feel like this was before the whole, like, people, like, went to, like, these extravagant weekend things? For sure. Like, I thought that you, I thought the tradition was, like, the night before the wedding, you, like, go out for one right. night. So, we just did it in college when we had all our friends there. <laughs> Except our night out was to Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> it really That's was. I could afford. <laughs> So go us, twenty year olds getting married and all that kind of stuff. But it was it was still really fun. That's like the best story I have for you guys. I was like, I have to tell this story to the world. I love it. Oh I my love gosh. That memory. It's a really good memory. But they did get married and they're still married today. <laughs> it worked out. Yes, it worked out. Um so y'all been married for how long now? So it'll be eight years this July. Eight years. Oh my god! And I'm 28, so yeah, we got married at 20. Yes, it was a big undertaking that I didn't realize at the time. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so like our conversation kind of went when I told y'all I wanted to get engaged. I thought I knew. I was like, I am so wise at 19. Like I know exactly where my life's going and what I want to do and. Um, like Margaret said, graduating early, like I was just very type A and like put together and yes, like (laughs) this is how life's going to be because I'm willing it to be that way. Um, and so when we got married, God just like completely shattered all my sense of control and, Mm -hmm. um, sense of like wisdom. Ultimately my pride is what (laughs) it was, but our whole first year of marriage was just 
the worst and I had no idea like I thought marriage would kind of fulfill me or like yeah I don't know just solve all these problems or whatever so I had no idea it was going to be like literally pouring out myself every single day and like Matt and I are not similar at all so (laughs) it was a lot of like learning how to love someone that is the opposite of me it's easy to love people that you're similar to because you know what you love yeah exactly (laughs) but not when they're so different so when I say it's a huge it was a huge undertaking it's just like my life was completely flipped upside down all my besties are still in college like you guys yeah um and that was really I didn't realize I was gonna grieve that so much like missing my singleness with like friends and college and all that um and I I was working so it was just like all the things all at once that I didn't realize was gonna hit so hard (laughs) yeah no that that makes a lot of sense what would you tell um no I think that's good and I remember that season because I think it was like so again she had graduated we were still in college for our senior year and so I just, and, but we were still, because me and Jacqueline have, have a different kind of relationship than I have with other college friends because we were discipled together. And so mm-hmm. for those of you listening that don't know what that means, basically that just means we have someone like mentoring us in the faith and like walking mm-hmm. with us. And so we knew a lot of ins and outs about each other, yeah. <laughs> uh, for better or worse. <laughs> for, and, better, for better, for better, for sure. But um and yeah, I mean, I just remember that season just like, I mean, it being really hard and new and what, like, what was the, what would, what would you say, sorry, is the biggest thing that you learned out of that being married so early? What would you encourage like college students who are, or someone who's like wanting to get married that early, just expectation wise? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like something we tell all like engaged couples now is you really have to like completely (laughs) sounds so bad lower your expectations (laughs) like you have to go into marriage like thinking okay this is like this is something where I'm like not meant to be served but to serve and so like my expectations were I'm gonna be happy because Matt's gonna be this way towards me and our lives are gonna look like this like all my selfish expectations but you have to completely like yeah throw those away and and be just selfless and pouring out and say like how can I honor my spouse and love my spouse like Jesus it's not about what I'm getting out of this relationship it's about how I can love and serve that person as Jesus would and yeah so we just encourage couples like throw away your expectations because honestly like it's probably going to be different than you expect. No one really knows what yeah. marriage is going to look like until they're married. Yeah. Um, and if your one expectation can be, how can I love and serve this person, you know, in the best way that I can? And that's that's the best you can do going into marriage. Yeah, no, that's real. That's I think that's really good for people to hear because I think I've had friends who, yeah, kind of similar circumstances of um, they, like, get into marriage and it just wasn't what they thought it was going to be or they just visualize and no matter how long they dated or didn't date like usually the same (laughs) issues such problems you just like marriage is just different I'm not married but I have a lot of friends that are and marriage is just it's just a different ball game 
Yes. And the like amazing thing about it is it's something that the Lord uses to sanctify and prune you. And like Matt and I always talk about this at the time in our first year marriage, it was literally the worst. Like we've always said, never say the word divorce, like never even throw that out. But both of us looking back are like, we definitely thought about that. Like it was just so bad. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to describe unless you're in it, but I mean, so many sins came to light. So many like idolatry issues came to light. And at the time we were like, what is God doing? Why did we do this? Mm -hmm. Why did he let us get get married so young? Um, But like eight years into it and looking back, we see so much of just like God was cleansing us of sin. He was like removing idols. He was making us selfless. He was doing so much in our hearts that hurt really bad at the time, but ultimately were for our good. Yeah. So I would encourage couples with that too. Like, life's going to be hard and marriage is going to be really hard, but you know, if you're a believer walking with Jesus, that God uses that hard for yeah. good. <clears throat> How many 20 year olds would you encourage to get married on the road? <laughs> <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I can't believe like 20 is so young. You see freshmen in college now. It's like, how are they allowed yeah. to be in college? They look like, they don't even have a driver's license. <laughs> yes. I, I'm always thinking that too. I'm like, did I look like that when I was like I 18? Because they literally look like children. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone <laughs> says that about us when we were in college. But I was, I just think about that now. I'm, I'm like, we're not, I, I was like, what was, I was staying up all night. Like what? <laughs> what? what, what was that life? <laughs> another world i don't even know what was happening yes well jacqueline didn't stay up all night in college she was kind of the more mature one than the rest of us like literally like went to bed at normal hours one time we took her out to a movie like after 9 30 and it was like a big deal (laughs) to like drive or drag me out of bed and i i think i was literally in my pajamas gotta gotta get to that 8 a.m class uh jacqueline was just such a good friend to have she really kept me on my P's and Q's, and she kept me grounded in a lot of ways when I was crazy. Um, okay. But fast forward now, she's been married. She has two beautiful kiddos, um, Kaden and Reagan. Yay! <laughs> How old are these babies? Kaden is three and a half. He'll be four in October, mm-hmm. and Reagan is gonna be two in July. She's our baby girl. Oh. and um we have a third on the way but we're gonna get to that (laughs) there's a there's definitely a story there but there's a couple yeah so there's a couple things i definitely want to get to and talk about with you because again y'all i know like pretty much all the things about jacqueline i was like there's so many things that i think would be so encouraging but i want to talk about a couple things so first becoming a mom um and so jacqueline um she graduated with a business degree and a master's, yep, master's degree. Yes. Yep, yep, you got it. <laughs> a master's in accounting, right? Yep. Yeah. So this girl is like, when I, I mean, again, she's smart. She's like good at working and like all these things. Um, did you ever think you would fully be a stay-at-home mom? No, never, <laughs> never, never in a million years. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Um, again. And so I want to talk about that because again, I know you're an extrovert. 
like I am like you love people but also beyond extrovert like you you love work like you love what you do and when you're good at it um and for a while you were working when you had um when you had Caden um and then uh, somewhere along the lines I don't remember what year I get my years confused but then you decided to completely stop working um Uh how has that been for you what like what what is that like? What are like the pros and cons of that? And like, what yeah. do you say to women who really just kind of had this like, you know? Because I'm I don't have kids yet. I'm not married yet. But in my head right now, I don't want to be a stay at home mom. I'm right. not that I don't like have anything against it. I just don't feel like that's my personality. So like, but how did you yeah. transition to that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So. um after I got my master's, I had to study hardcore for the CPA exams, mm-hmm. which everyone knows are like grueling if they're in the accounting world. So I got my CPA. So I was definitely like career, like I'm dedicating <laughs> time, money, effort into becoming a CPA, got my license, was working for a public accounting firm. And um, I don't know, I I was so dedicated to my work, like I thought that having a baby, I could just like throw them into my life and they're just going to go with the flow of my life (laughs) and nothing's going to (laughs) change. I don't know if other moms felt that way, but I was like, yeah, this is just going to be an addition to a life path I already am on. How old were Um, you when you had your first kid? I was 25. 25, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I had just turned 25. And so um, when I had... Caden, I had every intention to go back full time, but literally like the moment I looked into his eyes, I was like, I am not going back to work. She's also <laughs> loves everyone and people very well. So I, I know that, that, <laughs> that is just literally how that happened. That, yeah. I like fall hard and deep, like with people and relationships. Yes. And so, me too. Yes. <laughs> and it's like so good in ways, but also so hard in ways. So, um, my first few months, I had like three or four months of maternity leave. It was actually like pretty rough. Like I struggled with a little bit of baby blues and just struggled becoming a new mom. Being a new mom is really hard, figuring everything out, breastfeeding, all that, um, not getting any sleep. So when work started approaching like when I was supposed to go back to work I was like maybe I can do this I was starting to warm up to the idea like I need a break mama needs a break (laughs) Kaden needs a break um so I decided okay I'm gonna try part-time um so I went back 24 hours a week three full days a week and I actually really loved it like I was able to get this fulfillment from work that I love like Margaret said I love to work um I find joy in working hard and working well um and I was in auditing so it works a lot with people and teams and it just really like spoke to my personality um so it worked really well um and then we got pregnant when Caden turned one and um for anybody in the public accounting industry I'm sure you know how difficult it is to balance life and work, Um, especially being part-time. It was just really hard. If you're full-time, you usually work like 60 plus hours a week. So for me to cut all that down to 24 hours a week was, it was hard. It was a hard balance. Um, So when we got pregnant with Reagan, Matt and I talked a lot about like, what, 
what should our family look like in the future? Like, if I'm going to stay in this position and work part-time, what does that look like for Caden? What does that look like for the new baby? What does that look like for Matt? Because uh, it's hard on him, too, to juggle work and being a dad. And so anyways, we had a lot of good and hard conversations. Um, And I actually, like, scaled my work back to, like, 20 hours a week and then before I left, I went down to 10 hours a week. <laughs> she was like, like, I'm holding on for dear life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I really want to stay. And I loved my boss and my coworkers. I really wanted to make it work. But when it came down to it, I was like, these little babies are going to be like 18 in the blink of an eye. And mm-hmm. the the best thing for Matt, for him to work well and succeed in his career and the best thing for me because I really did long to be with my babies as much as I could yeah uh, was to be at home like 10 hours a week doesn't really do much for me or anybody else um so yeah we eventually decided in um when I was about six months pregnant with our second for me to just go ahead and leave and prepare for having baby number two and I actually like really loved it. I was so sure in our decision and felt like God was calling me to that at the time. And what was really beautiful about it is I felt like this is a season. Like I have my CPA, I have a master's, like I can always try and go back to work. Um, So it felt really freeing, like, okay, we're going to do this for a season, try it out. And since I really loved it at the beginning, it was just like really affirming that this is where I'm called. And flash forward to now, <laughs> Caden's three and a half, Reagan's almost two. Sometimes I wish <laughs> I had a job to go to. <laughs> but I think that's like every mom, like you just need a break sometimes. Yeah. So. But I do really think like I'm still where God wants me to be. And yeah. Like you were saying, Margaret, earlier, like, not everyone's called to do that and that's awesome like if you can be a working mom that's like amazing I I don't even know how that's like superwoman <laughs> um, <laughs> because I was just like struggling to find the balance so if you can find that balance that's just amazing yeah um, so yeah it, it was a hard decision but I think ultimately yeah we're God yeah wanted be for a season yeah absolutely no I always like to ask moms about that because I because I mean I think right now I'm in where you were like before you had kids I was like oh and my my mom worked too and so uh I think I'm where you are of like if I ever have kids I'm working but you know I mean I'm never say never like you never know what it's gonna look like but that's in my head right now (laughs) because because again I'm like I like also adult interaction and things like that as often I like when my gifts, yeah. certain gifts are being used that I can't maybe use in that way. And so that's what's in my head, but we'll see what happens. I yeah. know, I'm sure when that happens, Jacqueline's yes. going to be like, I understand, but you're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> and also I do have to say, some moms can't stay at home. So that's another yeah. big deal. Like I know that I'm like blessed and it's a gift to be able to stay at home and that we can afford to do that. So definitely understand those moms that can't even don't even have that option yeah absolutely yeah well this next part we're gonna kind of walk into this last year and this was a big reason too uh, I mean there's so many things again I keep reading that 
reiterating that with you, Jacqueline. Um, but uh, I really want to walk through this uh, last year because it's been really hard for you. And I feel like it could be so just encouraging to someone that's listening um, about just like suffering and pain. And so as much as you want to give, um, yeah. I would I would love to kind of walk through this <clears throat> this past year. And so before we go into it, too, you know, with Caden and Reagan, um, you know, those those like pregnancies were pretty straightforward and easy you would say like for you yes yeah we could conceive when we wanted to we had perfect easy pregnancies everything was healthy and yeah so we didn't know any different going into having another baby yeah and and they were pretty smooth I mean so much so when she had Caden we went to a bachelorette party um (laughs) in like uh, where was it Charleston yeah Charleston I think yeah, Charleston, yeah. And, I mean, she was about to have Caden literally, like, in, like, six weeks. <laughs> Something like that. And she was there, like, we went to the, on the beach. Like, I mean, I literally just saw Jacqueline as this, like, person with, like, a belly. But literally, like, you could not... She There was no qualms. Like, she worked out with us. We went to dinner. We went dancing. And there was, little, like, you you would think that just... It just happens. This baby floats in there, and then it just comes right. out. <laughs> so easy. She's not even pregnant. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, um, yeah, so I know she had a good, those two pregnancies. And then um, walk us through this year when y'all were, you know, thinking about your third. So I, first I want to say, so when you were thinking about, okay, we want to have a third kid, like, what were your thoughts? We're just going to try and. Yeah, yeah. So it goes back to, like, my whole pre-marital mindset of like this is my plan this is what I want in life and I'd always thought I want to have three kids I'm one of three um I wanted boy girl boy that's what I came from and we got boy girl (laughs) so I was like this is all like yes I am in control of this this is happening and because our first two babies happened so quickly and easily we were like, yeah, let's just start trying again when Reagan, our youngest, turned one. Um, and it didn't feel like, we didn't really talk much about Like, it just felt like, yes, this is our plan. We're just going to go do it. Um, didn't, like, pray through it or think about it much, honestly. I know it's such a big undertaking, but we were like, nope, this is, this is just what our <laughs> lives are going to be, so we're going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... It did not work out that way. God had another plan for us. So. Yeah. So, so you guys start trying um, and kind of walk us through what happens the first time. Yeah. So on Reagan's first birthday, we found out we were pregnant with our fourth pregnancy, our fourth baby. And um, it was a shock because we kind of thought it would take a couple months, which it did with the first two third baby Um, right wait fourth yeah oh sorry third yes yes (laughs) (laughs) you'll see I'm losing track of time and babies but (laughs) um third baby and we were really nervous but excited so we were like all right Lord like this is the timing our first two babies were 21 months apart so these would have been 20 months apart Mm -hmm. um and so about four days later I started spotting mm-hmm. um which I had done with Reagan and that can be common in pregnancy so I was trying not to fear or worry um but 
over the course of a few hours, it, I just started bleeding more heavily, um, which was worrisome. Mm-hmm. It was on a Friday and I called my OB, my doctor, and they wanted me to come in. But as I was on my way, already anxious and yeah. emotional, um, they said the doctor left and you have to turn around and go home. And at that point, I just like completely lost it. So much fear of the unknown. And I just wanted a doctor to tell me, you're fine. You're just like randomly bleeding. There's nothing wrong. Nothing's happening. Um, But in the back of my mind, I was like, this is not okay. Um, I had never miscarried before this, like we've talked about. So I don't really know exactly what to expect. But um, that weekend, I miscarried and I pretty much knew it but it was it was a really hard and good weekend and the fact that Matt and I were on our knees begging God for this life um we thought even if I'm bleeding this heavily God is God and he is the God of life and the author of life and Mm -hmm. he could heal this baby easily and there could be so many reasons that I'm bleeding and we just have to like beg God to save this baby's life. Um, And then Monday morning we went into the doctor and it was confirmed that I had miscarried. Um, And that like really wrecked me because back to like the type A control kind of thing, I felt so like out of control and I felt so like tainted at that point, honestly, like I I didn't know at the time how many women miscarried and went through just so many issues with pregnancy because I had never experienced it before. And I just felt like I had this scarlet letter on my shirt now that was like, I miscarried. Like it was just such a huge weight of feeling, I don't know, just lesser and like, incapable and something was wrong with me and my body and it was like very good now looking back to to recognize like you are not in control of life like you cannot just conceive and it happen and it be a healthy baby that is not of you at all that's a gift from the lord and for you to have two easy healthy pregnancies is straight a gift that's nothing you did so again, God was like pruning me and sanctifying me. And I learned a lot praying through all that and really wrestling with how do I grieve this miscarriage? Mm -hmm. And um, how do I find hope in the Lord still? How do I trust God still? Mm -hmm. How do I try again with the fear of it happening again? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sad because at the time I kind of went to a lot of like statistics. I didn't really like I mean, I did go to God, like, as I was saying, praying through it, wrestling through it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, miscarriages happen once probably to a woman. Yeah. Like, this will happen once. It'll never happen again. I can get through this because of that. So. Is um, that, so I'm going to, is that kind of where, so after that first one, is that kind of where you, I mean, you were grieving it. um, But is that kind of where you, you were, ended up landing for a second was like, okay. Like, I'm grieving this, this sucks, but, like, I don't think this is going to happen again. Exactly, okay. yeah. Like, and it it was almost like it lit a fire under me, like, 
I'm going to prove <laughs> that we can get pregnant again and have an easy, healthy, like, we're going to get past this kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so that happened and that was December of two. Wait. I'm that was, that was July. That was the first one in July. In July. Um, 2019 yes and then so you're there you're grieving again you're like but this is not going to happen again so then september i'm getting my months crazy confused oh i know yeah (laughs) so then september happens and tell us about september yeah so september um it was almost two months to the day i found out i was pregnant again and i i had a lot of fear but i was like back to the statistics like I'm sure this will be a healthy one so I was ultimately really excited um and two days later I had like pretty severe cramping and lost the baby two days later um and that weekend was a pretty low weekend I yeah I couldn't believe it I was just in shock and then I also was just in despair of like this happened twice in a row in two months what's wrong with me literally I think there's something wrong yeah Uh, and what is God doing we had been praying nonstop since our first miscarriage for another baby yeah um and couldn't understand why he would let this happen twice especially within two months I'd barely gotten past grieving the first baby that now I was grieving two babies um just yeah honestly was at a pretty low point um and I sought a lot of counsel I got a book from my sister-in-law called um Grace Like Scarlet which is about a woman who lost three babies in a row and um, just how to grieve with hope. And honestly, it was also a really good gift and despite, despite how hard it was because the Lord taught me how to limit and how to say like, this is not okay, God. Like, this yeah. is sad. This is not, this is not something I can just theologically convince myself is like oh it's just part of god's plan whatever no it it's hard and sad and god grieves it too like i think a lot of christians maybe fall into the trap of like the sovereignty of god so like yeah whatever whatever god allows to happen he must like want or desire um which i do believe god is ultimately sovereign and could have saved any of the babies but um, I say all that to say God still grieves the sin and the brokenness right. and the sadness. And we, I think lamenting that with him and to him and saying like, I am just broken over this world and the sadness in this world is something he calls us to do in our grief and our sadness. Yeah. And it's hard. It's a hard thing to learn because you're one, you're going through something that's like, so hugely impactful and full of grief and sorrow that like it's hard to even go to God and two um you just you don't know how to hope in the like it's just so hard to wrestle theologically and emotionally and spiritually with how to 
turn that that grief into yeah. praise into like adoration of God and I think that's ultimately like learning what lament is so that started my like journey of lament yeah and, so. and you got that book after your second yeah mm-hmm. um and so and then I'm gonna pop into this third and then um then I have some questions for you so then that happens in September and then in December it was actually October okay. it was the next month yeah, yeah so October you get pregnant again. Yes. And, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And that ended the same way. I miscarried two days later. Yeah. And um, I, re- <laughs> I remember miscarrying at church. It was, it was really, really sad. Our pastor was preaching on um, waiting on the Lord and what it means to like deeply desire something and for the answer to be like, either no from God or not yet from God. Mm-hmm. And I was so emotional that sermon because I could feel like I knew I was going to miscarry. I just could, it was kind of a similar symptoms yeah. of the past two. Um, and the pastor was our really good friend and he used these words I put on Instagram of sharing our two miscarriages of just like how I know God is faithful and I know that I can hope in him and our identity yeah. is not this world, but in the Lord. And as he was like reading my words and his sermon, I didn't even recognize it because I didn't feel any of it. Like I just felt despair and loss and sorrow again. Cause I just knew what was happening. Yeah. So this is now your third. Um, and I mean, I think you really like kind of talked about just like understanding grief and lament, but you're like, this is on your third one. And Mm -hmm. like what was the sense of just feeling for like you for you and Matt just in that situation because I know we talked about like this just idea too of you know with one miscarriage it's like you like there are people in your life or some people in your life you're like okay I get that like I've been through that then you have three um and it it kind of changed the ball game for you too just even relationally of like the it was just hard because just some people just like a lot of people mm-hmm. just didn't get that like mm-hmm. have never experienced that like can you talk about that Elizabeth like what that loneliness was look like and how you work through that yeah for sure yeah it was really isolating it was really um dark like I am an extrovert like we talked about and I process with people and I like am able to really grieve in a good way when I'm doing it with someone but I just kind of shut down and went into like a little hole for a little bit um maybe I was struggling with some kind of depression I don't even know looking back because it was so painful and hard that I was just trying to get through each day um but I I didn't want to be around anybody and honestly like a lot of people didn't know what to do and I think that's I think that's really hard to like know how to love someone well when they're that sorrowful yeah Yeah, what Uh, would you what would you say and maybe you don't know which is totally fine but like what would you say to like people who have friends in this situation um or that are like in this grief like well one like what is not 
what should you not say? Yeah. <laughs> and and what are like what are some things you think that like were just like helpful for you that friends did do or like you even wish some friends would do? Because I think too, and it may be different from person to person, um, depending on what you're like. But like, I think yeah. that's a little helpful, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I remember one friend in particular, her name's Lori. She was in our small group. She, she didn't like ask when to come over. She was like, I'm coming over. I'm bringing you food. (laughs) Like when, when is the best time? And so she just can't like, that was so ministering to my heart that she knew what I needed. She knew to come to me. Mm-hmm. She didn't ask because she knew it would be helpful. She knew me. Mm-hmm. Uh, food is always a comfort. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't like, she didn't try to fix the situation. She yeah. didn't say things like, oh, you'll get pregnant next time. Or you've had two babies. Surely you'll have another. Oh. Or yeah, <laughs> just like all these things like sounds like they're helpful and sounds like probably true but and it sounds encouraging but it's not encouraging no please don't say that I just had three there's no chance like in our minds right now yeah (laughs) so don't say that um but yeah she didn't say any of that she didn't even really like encourage me to talk about it she just was there and yeah like because of her presence and just like showing she cared I opened up about it and her response wasn't even like specifically about miscarriage it was just like this is who God is like she just talked about God and she just talked about his goodness and she was like no matter what kind of suffering you're going through this is who God is and God is good and you need to fix your mind on God Mm -hmm. not on your despair and sorrow Mm -hmm. Um, which of course, like it's, it's unavoidable. You're going to focus on your sorrow too, because you're going through it. But it was just so healing for me because she was right. Like we're to set our minds on things above. And that is what is healing. Like if we're going to dwell on the sorrow and the sin and the brokenness in our life, we're going to be in despair. Like we're not going to be able to get out of that hole. We have to find something to give us hope and that something is actually someone and it's Jesus. And, um, I just like found so much, yeah, hope from our conversations of even if I suffer every day, the rest of my life on this earth, it's a blink of an eye and I get to be with Jesus forever and eternity. And like for that hope to be magnified in my life, I think as believers or really anybody on earth, you don't think about eternity much. Like you think about (laughs) and like, what am I going to eat for breakfast? (laughs) What job am I going to, yeah. Where am I going on vacation? Yes. Yes. And it becomes very easy to like, this is, this is what we're living for the world. And even as believers, like you just become numb to like eternity. You don't even think about it much. Yeah. Um, And so it was really eye-opening for me to be like, no, my life's not about this world. It's about eternity. And like Jesus suffered the most that any of us could suffer. And he was still praising the Lord, like for me to walk in the same way he walked and for me to trust the God of the universe 
who brought the worst act of sin and sorrow, which was the cross, who used that for the most beautiful, glorious, redemptive work. Like, surely he is going to use this hard, painful sorrow in my life for glory somehow and just hanging on to that hope even if I don't see it in my life like trusting that he'll yeah. do it <laughs> no that's really good you said a lot of good things I'm, and I want to like summarize and paraphrase but just this idea well because one I think you talk, you did talk about lament and grief and what and learning what that looks like and learning that God grieves and I love that because I think you there's this perfect balance of like lament and grief for real and Mm -hmm. i i remember like praying for you in that season and getting texts and all that kind of stuff but also the line that you said just now what um of look looking wait keeping our eyes on jesus and that's where you'll find healing like and so it's like i'm lamenting but if i want to be healed of this like the only person that can do that is jesus and so if i don't Mm -hmm. look to him like I won't be able to move past this. Like, uh-huh. in, in a way that helps me, like, understand to some degree um, this situation. Because I don't think we'll always understand it fully. But help me understand uh-huh. to some degree this situation if I don't look to him. And so, I like, I just love that, too. Because I love this balance of... Because I think there's two extremes. I think people, these things will happen and they just pretend like there's no real emotions there. Yeah. <laughs> and are just like, like you said, Jesus is sovereign, sovereign. Um, like, it will be okay. And it's like, that's right. not how I feel. So, <laughs> so like. It's not true when you're yes. going through it. Or so, you don't believe it's true when you're going Yeah, so don't tell me that. But then a reality of like, I feel this, but. Like, I'm clinging, like, I'm holding on for dear life to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's really when, like, faith becomes sight. It's like, okay, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Like, can you really live in faith and, like, say that it is well, even when all around you it's not? Like, it's sorrowful and hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 really helpful and um i think it's just i think it is important for people to hear because there is a balancing act but there also is like a real grieving process and um that's real that's real so then we go and so now i mean after your third were you like was there like should we even try Yes. Like, was that, was there that thought? <laughs> I was like, I think we might be done. And I, it was also like, I felt some guilt a little bit too, because I was like, I have two healthy kids. Am I being greedy? Am I like asking God for too much to ask uh, for another kid? Yeah. And sometimes I felt like I shouldn't even be sad. Like I should be so happy and thankful for what I do have. Um, and thinking about other women in my life and just in general who can't even have one. Yeah. Um, so I really wrestled with that. Like, should I just say like, this is my lot and I'm done and God is making that clear to me or is that desire of the Lord to have another kid? Um, which goes back to like our original plan. Like we're going to have three cause it's our plan. Well, now I was really asking the Lord, like, is this your plan? Yeah. Um, cause I'm sure. Just- I'm sure you're like, I just, Lord, like, I can't, I can't do that again. Yes. Like, <laughs> I was like, please. I literally, I remember before I miscarried the third time, I was like, God, I can't go through another miscarriage. 
and it happened. And so after that, I was like, no, I'm serious. God, I really can't. <laughs> Please do not do this again. Um, so yeah, that was really hard. We actually ended up going to like fertility centers just to like, yeah, because we didn't know why it was happening. And we wanted to see like, if there's a cause or a reason, then we would want to cross that bridge. Like, do you maybe- think, do you think too, because I remember you going through this, do you think too, there was a little inkling of like, if I can at least find a cause, then it's like justifiable in my head versus yes. like it just happening. And like, yes. there was some like logic to it. Cause I think sometimes yes. as Christians, not even Christians, people in general, we like, we're like, if we can find the logic, the formula as to why certain things happen, there's almost, even though it's hard, there's almost like a, okay, it made sense. Cause X, Y, and Z weren't in place. So this happened versus unknown because we don't like to live in the unknown exactly (laughs) yes like as humans again we want control we want to understand and we want to fix it and so yeah that's exactly like I remember texting y'all like pray that this is wrong with me (laughs) so that they can give me medicine or do whatever which is so like ridiculous you don't want something to be wrong but it was yeah just a skewed way of thinking about it no I I get it I get it yeah I think we do that with a lot of things it's like if there's a formula then it it makes us justifiable and I feel like sometimes God's like no like like this is just part of life sometimes and it's it goes beyond what's actually happening yeah for sure you know um so I totally interrupted that story but I just uh, (laughs) yeah and so you went to fertility to see if something's wrong and then Nothing was wrong. Nothing was wrong. Frustrating. (laughs) Um, And all the doctors, you know, they rely on statistics. They're like, you should be able to get pregnant. We don't understand. You should be able to get pregnant again. Um, And so in the midst of all that, which looking back was probably horrible timing, we moved to a new house, (laughs) which is another big life change I probably didn't need at the time. Um, A new house in like a newish city. It was near our old house, but in a different place part of the city so anyways it was all this newness change hard along with moving um and in the midst of that got pregnant with our now this is the sixth baby i think one two three four five six yeah sixth baby um i'm now 27 weeks pregnant praise the lord praise god uh um and when we got pregnant i I didn't even like celebrate for like 20 weeks, literally. Like I'm still, I I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm still, I still struggle with like fear of course, because you don't know the number of days of any life. Um, but I'm now at the point where I'm like, okay, Lord, like this feels like our miracle baby. This feels like a gift from you and Mm -hmm. being able to rejoice in that. But we have had like just the hardest pregnancy. <laughs> it's been the opposite of the first two. Yeah. Um, which feels like another like, God, what are you doing? Like, I thought this would be the answer. This would be my healing. Like, I would be able to just rejoice and be happy again to have another healthy baby. Yeah. But I think God is just continuing to say, like, look to me. <laughs> Yeah. Do not look to your baby or your life or your circumstance. That is not going to give you ultimate joy. Like you have to keep your eyes on me. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that's that's literally like the phrase of the day <laughs> of of a life. But like this, just idea of like, okay, now you're pregnant, um, and uh, you're due in August. August. Oh yeah. my gosh, these months. Well, I have like thirty pregnant friends right now. I feel. Like. I know. I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're due in August, and um, but still, this idea of like. And I think that I feel like they can sum up a lot of your story and your journey is like, God's just like, whether I give you or don't give you like, or whether I allow or don't allow uh-huh. or whether something comes or doesn't come like look to me because even the good is not going to give you ultimate joy and the suffering. You're really not going to feel joy. So yeah. like, seriously, I'm the only one that gives it. Like I am, I am joy. I am, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I am, yeah. I am it. And so, yeah. And, but now you have this rainbow baby crazy great and you you guys didn't want to know the gender right right yes so we are gonna be surprised we have a boy and a girl so we were like honestly at this point we're just so thankful to have a baby we don't even need to know the gender (laughs) we have what we need practically so yeah it's gonna be a really beautiful day i'm praying that it's all just beauty from ashes on the day the baby's born and we can rejoice and just be happy on that day i know that there's still gonna be fear i yeah. still wrestle with it but i'm yeah. just yeah trying to give it to the lord like surrender this whole process to him yeah no that's man that that's that's so good i think that's gonna be so encouraging to a lot of people too just that like idea of okay look to him and surrender and just trust and i mean i know we talked about this you're like you feel like um, you know, this probably has been one of the, not that you didn't suffer in life before, but it was like, kind of like what you're saying, like you, this is probably the first year in your life where you've actually, the words we've read uh-huh. or you've known since you've been walking with Jesus of the Bible of like, you know, God is good in our, like suffering or all yeah. the different things that the Bible says, like you've had to actually like believe it, <laughs> like live yeah. it, like it was just yeah. so different. Yes. Oh my goodness. I was actually reading in Habakkuk like a week ago and Habakkuk is like, he's kind of prideful in his way of like saying, God, you need to um, redeem Israel. Israel's like full of sin and brokenness and sorrow. And Habakkuk's like, this is your people. You need to fix this situation basically, God. (laughs) And God's like, um, you don't even know, like, you don't even understand. If I had told, if I told you what I was going to do, you wouldn't even believe it. And then he says something like, I'm going to bring even more sorrow first. I'm going to bring an attack on the Israel Israelites first before I bring redemption and healing. Basically put Habakkuk in his place of like, I know the plans I have for you. Like Jeremiah says, not you. I know the plans I have for you. Everybody reads that Jeremiah 29, 11, and they're like, oh, yes, the Lord is going to have this perfect plan for my life, which he does, but they think it's about their plan, really. But no, God's saying, I have plans for you. (laughs) And just like in Habakkuk, like, I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And so Israel first has to, like, endure more suffering before they're ultimately healed and that healing would you know come 400 or whatever years later in the cross and Jesus's death and resurrection but um anyways that like really spoke to me because 
even after our three miscarriages, we've endured suffering like in this pregnancy of just different pains and problems. Yeah, and health um, stuff and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, health stuff. My my health stuff. The baby has been healthy, thankfully. Yeah. But anyways, um, that was just super encouraging to me of God's basically saying to Habakkuk, all I'm asking of you is to trust me and to have faith. And even when everything around you looks sorrowful i mean we can even say this in the midst of coronavirus like yeah. we're all like where are you lord why is this happening and for people like, like me and jacqueline <laughs> the extroverts were like where i'm struggling i need yes. to like touch and hold and hug people this is even worse for us lord <laughs> um yeah i feel like anybody can relate to that yeah and right now because we're all suffering in different capacities with this pandemic so Anyways, it was just, yeah, really encouraging to read that and be like, okay, I can trust the Lord. Like, and even if I'm suffering because of the brokenness of the world, or even if I'm suffering because the Lord is testing my faith and allowing trials to happen to grow my faith, like, ultimately, I know that he is good and and he will work this out for his glory. And that is ultimately our good, right? Like, God being most glorified is for the best good in our own lives it's not about getting our plans to work out or whatever so yeah no that's good and to some of y'all listening like that isn't you know you may not see it on this side of heaven meaning like you may not understand ever on this side of heaven or see the good in us in suffering on this side of heaven or this your suffering um but we will there will be a heaven one day where we where we will understand the goodness of God in the mm-hmm. greater capacity and so kind of what you were saying earlier our life whether I live a few more days or a few more years or even if I live to 100 at this point it's such a glimpse in the realm of eternity and like starting to just think more eternal than thinking more <laughs> day yes. to day <laughs> yes we are aliens and sojourners in this world and I now finally am starting to believe that <laughs> This is not our home. Yeah. But our home is going to be freaking amazing. It is. <laughs> like we're about to be in paradise and like be with Jesus who is just going to be the best thing ever to see face to face and be in communion with all the time. So Yes. Yeah. Oh my Living gosh. <laughs> Y'all Literally, Jack, I feel like I could talk to you for we could ha- we could start our own podcast at this point, oh, you should. know, <laughs> just talk about different things um, because we could go on forever. But we are nearing the end of the episode. And so at the end of each episode, I ask people two questions. So the first okay. one I gave you in advance. The second one I technically did not give you in advance. Um, I forgot. <laughs> but that's fine. Because you're Jacqueline and you are so good with going with the flow. Yeah, let's just do it. Um, so the first question is, if you could go to lunch with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Yes. Okay. So currently, I've been, like, really fangirling over Mo Isom. Okay. <laughs> um, she, is, she was a soccer player and now she's, I think she's full-time ministry now. Yeah. Um, anyways. I have been following her since she was on another podcast that I listened to and just her story and her heart. And now she's like, just so encouraging to um, talk about like the Hebraic roots of our faith and like 
what it means to follow a Jew, Jewish Jesus yeah. and like what it means to um, like really be a believer and yeah. what the church should look like. And anyways, she's just like so challenging to my faith that I would love to sit down and eat lunch with her and just be like, tell me everything, you know, you're so wise. I love you so Where much. Where would y'all go to lunch? Where would you take her, Jacqueline? Oh boy, should I say Chili's? <laughs> Jacqueline, Jacqueline really does love chilies, y'all. I do. <laughs> no, we need to go somewhere fancy. fancy. I don't even know. Uh, Angus Barn in Raleigh, that, that place is good. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Jacqueline still lives in North Carolina. I don't know if we ever established that in this whole interview. Yeah. But, yes, she still lives in North Carolina. We went to college, University of North Carolina. She still lives there. So, Angus mm-hmm. Barn is this, like, really good place when you have money to spend. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> But I feel like she would like chilies. I don't know. Mo, I, so anyways, when I do this, I always tag the people, no matter okay. how big or now, how small. So Mo Isom, if you listen to this podcast, Jacqueline lives in Raleigh. She would love to go to lunch. You can Instagram her because I'm yes. going to tag her Instagram. And like, <laughs> please take her to lunch. She, you guys would have so much fun. Take me to lunch and we'll talk about Jesus. Yes. <laughs> chilies. 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 <laughs> I'll take chilies. I'll take whatever you want. McDonald's at this point. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the second one is like a semi question, but so I love encouragement. You know that. So I ask every guest to encourage someone at the end of the episode. So you actually have to pick a person. Um, Yeah. So you pick, you just pick a person and then you're going to encourage them as if they're like sitting in front of you and listening. So example, if I picked you and I was like, Hey Jacqueline, uh, I just want to say blah 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 blah. So you're gonna pick yeah. someone. Um, you can say their name depending. You don't have to depending on if you're encouraging them in a very specific way, and you they might not want people to know. But pick anyone, one person. Okay. And then you're gonna encourage them. Okay. I won't say their name because no one knows this news in their life yet. <laughs> to the girl. <laughs> pregnant with her rainbow baby (laughs) just like I am I want to encourage you that the Lord loves you and is for you and already knows the number of days of your baby's life and that this is a gift that you can rejoice in right now today and trust him even when there's scary health issues or maybe you're going to go through more sorrow and suffering but you can trust that the Lord is going to use it for good and his glory yeah so make sure you tell that person and honestly i'm totally gonna call jack i'm very surprised she didn't slip the name because jack is not the best at keeping secrets i usually like tell everybody that people are pregnant before they tell people i'm so bad don't tell me you're pregnant because i'm gonna tell her yes she's actually really bad at keeping those kind of secrets so i applaud you i did good i did not say the name but yeah I'm proud of myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, Jacqueline, this has literally been so fun. The people are going to love you. This is an hour-long podcast, which is super Ooh. exciting. <laughs> um, but yes, I I'm thank you for so much for coming on the Beautiful Collision podcast. Thank you. It was so great talking to you and I you know I love you so much. <laughs> yeah. I look, okay, I just stopped recording.